Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Josh Crutchmer is a journalist. In fact, he's the planning editor for the New York Times. A big job, like a real journalism job. Maybe one of the biggest in the world. But he's also, and I I wonder if his heart might in fact be more in this second line of work, he's also a chronicler of music, specifically Red Dirt, Americana, independent country music. He grew up in Oklahoma. He came up around a bunch of the artists that make up the core of the Red Dirt music scene. And he has done a brilliant job writing about that music scene. His book, Red Dirt, is a must-read for those interested in that kind of music. And his new book, The Motel Cowboy Show, is a really beautiful chronicle of the Braun Brothers Reunion uh, music festival that happens uh, way up in Chalice, Idaho, and sort of the music that spins out from that world. So he's living kind of a double life, and as you'll hear him explain during the course of this interview, I think it's uh, I think it's that duality that keeps him centered and energizes him uh, each for the other if you know what I mean. Josh Crutchmer is a really smart guy. He's a great interviewer. He's a really gentle uh, journalist, if that makes sense. He's somebody that approaches his subject with a lot of thought and empathy. And I really am grateful that he writes about music. And I'm really grateful that he agreed to sit down for a wheels-off interview. You may not see immediately why a journalist would be someone who would qualify for this uh, sort of creative life criteria on which the Wheels Off conversation series is predicated. But the stories he tells are compelling, and the way he tells them is really beautiful and is definitely artistic and certainly creative. So I'm really grateful to have on Wheels Off the great Josh Crutchmer. 
Welcome to Wheels Off, Josh Crutchmer. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Thanks for having me, Rhett. I am doing very well. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Um, for the edification of our listeners, where are you logging in from? I am logging in from uh, my apartment in uh, in Manhattan on the Upper East Side um, at the desk that I just about do everything related to journalism or uh, writing or anything else that involves uh anything remotely creative. Were you uh, going into the office type of worker pre-pandemic? I was I was five days a week pre-pandemic. And um, thankfully, both uh, both work and um, the uh, the world at large now let me go in a few days a week and um, also work from here or from um, got a place up in the Pocono Mountains that I'll sometimes work from. And sometimes I'll work from the back of a tour bus. Nice. Very very flexible these days. Well, it seems like this new arrangement would give you a lot more of an opportunity to work on your books. It actually has. It very much has. And um, at the in the introduction to both books, I went out of my way to acknowledge that. Um, yeah. This The flexibility that I have to still be a, uh, a dedicated and dogged journalist at the times and then sign off for the day and go immediately into um, a show or an interview or another setting where I'm actually going to write about music is uh, it's been a real blessing. And that that has been the catalyst for everything. So I have it's, it's the, the world was the world has not been a kind place lately, but that has been a bright spot for my own personal creativity. Uh, congratulations on the Motel yeah. Cowboy show. That's so exciting. So excited about this one. Woo! Yeah. Um, and, and look, I'm not saying that you need to already have moved on, but I know this has probably been pretty much in the can for a while. Yeah. And I, and I wonder if there's a creative project that you've already uh, embarked on, you know, post completion of the Motel Cowboy show. Okay. So for about the next, the, the short answer is yes. Um, we'll spend the rest of this year doing what you do when you put out a book, going around and going around shows and interviews and podcasts and discussing it. Um, but I'm going to go just about immediately into at least one project. Um, remember, uh, remember about the time your own career was taken off. There was a, uh, a forerunner red dirt band called the great divide that, uh, had a pretty hot moment for a while. Yeah. They're having a, they're having a bit of a, uh, second rise right now. Um, I'm going to kind of go chronicle them the same way that I was chronicling the Turnpike Troubadours for the last five years. And um, that'll be one that I'm just going to go straight into. And I have a second one that um, I have in mind that I hope to be able to confirm here in about two weeks when I see this artist out uh, out in the uh, mountains when I put this book out. Pretty exciting, um, man. It's super exciting. It's really cool to get to do. Um, and uh, I'm going to do it as long as I am capable and have the means. I want to keep doing this. Uh, does it happen very often where you think you're going to be writing a book and then uh, your like newspaper overlords demand that you turn it into a, a piece for them, an article for them? It has happened before, um, but it actually it actually ended up only helping the the book itself when i wrote 
the Red Dirt book, and you're going to know immediately what I'm talking about. When I wrote the Red Dirt book, that started, that process started in 2018. Yeah. And that was a much more personal book to me because that's where I'm from. That's yeah. that's music that that has its roots in Woody Guthrie, but it's got so many, it's it's it spans out in so many different directions. And one of the one of the ones in 2018 that was a, um, and still is the, the sort of the torchbearer for the scene was Turnpike, and so I was living here by then. And so most of the interviews I did were done in New York with, with Evan and RC and the band. And that all took place in the fall of 2018. Well, this book doesn't come out until August of or September of 2020. And, you know, there was a good year that, um, a year plus that Evan took to himself and nobody, even his friends, people knew where he was. You probably knew where he was, but most people, you know, by, what was 100% the right thing to do for their friend, were not giving that up. And so I just sent, in early summer when I got advanced copies, I sent copies to everybody that might have the ability to get it in his in his family's hands. And that was in June. And I, in August, like the day before, I was supposed to turn the book in and be done with it. <laughs> um, the book makes it into Evan's hands and he calls me out of the blue. Actually, Stacy was the one that called me, but immediately she puts Evan on and he just goes, I know I have been off the grid, but some things have changed. And look, I want to I want to make music again. And this this interview, the, the stories from 2018 really aren't relevant. Um, and I just on the spot said, would you like to talk? And he he spilled his he, he just talked for 45 minutes straight and it was I asked very few questions. I just let him go where his stories were taking him. And he was at the time saying things like, like, well, I sure, I sure tried working with my hands and I learned that I'm a much better songwriter than I am ranch hand. It's all really <laughs> yeah, great stuff. Right. But then you could tell his head was in such a good place. And so I immediately said, look, yeah, this is going in the book, but I have to tell somebody um, this is, this is going to, like, we just need to get out in front of it. And he was completely understanding they, uh, this was before he landed with the, uh, you know, the new management team he's with. Um, so he was pretty much on his own and it was a big leap of faith he took. And I just said, Look, we just should get out in front of this. So I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell my bosses and my, my first, my first move, whenever I get news related to music is I always take it to the times first, um, because that's where I work. Um, yeah. It's in line with our company policy, but it also was just the right thing to do. And I told them what I had had, and um, they said, look, we, in this moment, we just don't have room to give this the uh, attention it deserves. You're free to take it anywhere you want. So I immediately went to Rolling Stone, and the editor there, Joe, Joe Hudak, who I'd worked with before, said, do you want to just take this? And he pretty much excerpted it and only changed um, only changed words that made it fit into a Rolling Stone article. And so not only did that, not only was that a, a big moment in, in Red Dirt music, but it was also a big moment for me because um, that sort of, that sort of identified the type of work that I was doing with these books and the type of writing and stories I wanted to tell, but on a, really grand scale. So 
that's the biggest and um, most intense example, but that's the that's the path I like to follow anyway, and it's the right thing to do. And that one was literally life changing um, for me and for the to some degree a lot of artists too. Well, it's funny you don't think of like music journalism as a breaking news type of situation, yeah. but that that definitely felt like it. And what a redemptive story, and what a great you know way to introduce people to the you know to the book. Yes, um, it it really it it set a really high bar, but in a good way. In a good yeah. way, you know, you, you know if if that's the uh, if that's the I, I've been around writing about music for twenty years, but you, not on that scale and not with that level of attention. I never really had wanted it, but it when I was writing it, I knew that it would get some disproportionate amount of attention and so i wanted what i wanted to write by the story but i also wanted the writing to look like something i would write because um this was probably going to be a lot of folks's introduction to you know the role that, that i play in this uh, sort of independent americana country world which brings me to the idea that uh, in these wheels off interviews, I typically yeah. am, am speaking to people right. that are like really obvious, creative songwriter, painter, you know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. nov novelists or whatever. And so a lot of people, I think, um, think of journalism as a less creative enterprise. Yeah. But but I, I, I imagine I, that what you do is so much storytelling like it's it, it's not a, it's not that you're taking fictional characters and telling them where to go but you're finding the stories that real people are living and telling them in a compelling way the journalism comes into play because i want to get those stories out so from from day to day at the times and i'm you know i'm sitting here and i'm the planning editor and overseeing all the looking at all this good work my job there basically is to know everything we're doing and that's very much a um you're very much applying a set of standards you're applying news judgment um which is to say that when i go to write about music especially when it's a book and there's no you know technically i'm not working under any editorial umbrella i have to set my own standards that provides sort of a baseline so even if i'm writing about somebody that would be a journalistic conflict of interest that I may be friends with, which are, that happened a lot in the Red Dirt book. Um, I still am not allowing my standards to slip below journalism. So that's where it comes in from one side. And the other side is just knowing how to have a conversation like this that will let somebody open up. Because my favorite part of both of these books is not when I insert myself, it's just when I let an artist go. And if you just get an artist to talk about their music or their story and you look down and 20 minutes have passed and I haven't said a word and my only question then is going to be all right just let's let's don't mess this up let's make this let's make this flow <laughs> let's 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 get this story front and center and I should just get the hell out of the way that's my favorite part of it journalism allows me to do that and then the creative side is actually bringing the artist's voices forward out of that. Well, it's funny. You're, you're clearly so good at that. And it's, and it's a gift. It feels like, I, I wonder, do you, did you know from a really early age that, that this specific 
gift was yours, that you were going to be pursuing journalism or that you were going to be a writer? What did you, was there an epiphany moment? The, I, I was, I always grew up, um, I grew up in Oklahoma um, and my family, especially my, my grandparents, they could subscribe to all of the newspapers and that was the day in Oklahoma and the Tulsa world and the Dallas morning news. And I would just, from ages five to 15, I was going straight to the sports section every day because that's what you do in Oklahoma. You watch, you watch sports and um, you look out the weather, look out the window for the weather. And (laughs) both of those were in the newspaper at that time. Um, And I was really fascinated by it. And so I had a, my family wanted me to be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever, but I kind of just never could get journalism out of my head. And by the time I got to college and majored in it, I just sort of realized that was the only thing I was wired to do. I do think that's an area that I relate uh, more to artists is just the feeling of I really am not wouldn't be good at anything else. And that sort of hit me in college. And so that was at Oklahoma State University and I was writing for the paper then and that would have been the era when a bunch of bands from there really took off across Canadian ragweed, Jason Bowen and the stragglers and Stoney LaRue. Um, at the time they were a $3 cover band at the wormy dog. And they all, when they, when they weren't playing, they had regular acoustic shows. So I saw them all the time and just started writing about them for the college paper there. But, I was just doing that sort of as a goof because it was just neat. I had never covered a band before. I know I always thought you guys were some mythical figures that just appeared on stage. Um, realizing really quickly that these were human beings in the in all the good and bad ways, I was just I was just sort of floored and started writing about then. What I didn't realize was that all the stuff I was writing in 2000 was going in these bands' press kits because it was the only press they were getting, and then. They just coincidentally, in the ensuing 18 to 24 months, all really took off in their in their own ways. Um, so now all of a sudden, like, they have, you know, some of them had record deals. They all, they all were being very professionally operated. And then you would go look at their press kits and it would still be half the stuff that I had written. <laughs> and so I realized then that I was in that town at a really special time musically. Um, And then I just left and embarked upon journalism and my mindset was at some point, they're gonna need me to come back and tell this story. I just have to recognize when that is. And a good while went by, I happened to be living in Chicago when uh, Ragweed broke up and I was working at the Chicago Tribune. So I did a giant write up for their final show at Joe's Um, just just probably until this book, the the uh, the most intense writing I had done about music, but mostly from about 2001 to this book, I was writing very sporadically. It would take a death. When Tom Skinner passed, I wrote um, the now defunct Nashville City paper actually let me write George Jones's obit for them. Um, wow. That's a clip in that is very special to me, but it was very it would it took something like that to get me. Um, to write and always in my head I was just like you know this story is going to be yours to tell one day and when some 
some artists in the red dirt scene, uh, like the late Tom Skinner, we knew he was gonna, we knew he was getting kind of up there, but uh, the passing of Brandon Jenkins at about the same time really threw everybody in the scene for a loop. And I was back in Stillwater at Eskimo Joe's one night, um, sitting on Cody Canada's bus with uh, John Cooper from the Red Dirt Rangers sitting across from me. And he looks up and he goes, man, if you don't tell this story, no one's going to tell it. And I was right then decided to write that first book. Mm. Um, that was the that was the moment. And once I started doing it, it was just one of those realizations that now I can't stop. It was just I have to <laughs> that that first one felt like I was part memoir, part journalist, but I just enjoyed the stories and the artists and the the way that they would talk about their own music in this really disarmed way. And then I thought it was just a great read. And so um, I will now be doing that until I don't have the ability to do it. Do you have heroes, the uh, music journalists the, who, whose work you emulate? Um, yes, you know, Modern day, the, 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 the people that I that I really read in the run up to Red Dirt were like New York, my own like New York Times magazine writers like Dwight Garner, um, those types of stories. I would before I started writing um, anything, the Times had written about you, about um, Jason Isbell, about any of the artists that I really um, try to you know follow as closely as i can i read every new york times magazine article that was there dwight dwight really stuck out because he probably would count as a hero um and then separate from that um when i i wouldn't say this would be a, a journalism hero but when i say the name you're going to say that counts as a hero the actual book that I was reading over and over and over again when I was trying to figure out how I would structure my own books was Todd Snyder's. Huh. You know his huh. book full of just stories? Yeah, yes, it's insane. It's that so good. I couldn't put that down because I was reading it and I was like, it's like I'm sitting here on stage and he's introducing songs. And some yeah. of the stories in there he actually does tell on stage. And yeah. I was just, I couldn't get that out of my head. I was like, this is how... I should be trying to get artists to talk and seriously there the the reverse engineering that i did to try and figure out how people were approaching artists how they were interviewing them was it, it took probably from the first time I decided I wanted to do it, it probably took a solid year. I was really being very scientific with how did these people get artists to talk like this? Um, you know, even in, even just reading Todd's book, okay, the, how was this actually written? Did he did 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 Todd just speak this? Did and just reverse engineering all that until I got to a point where I thought this is how I can communicate when I write. Um, yeah. Boy, that book is a must read for anybody that's interested in listening. Todd is just so brilliant. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, Hilarious. I know. 
So, um, so I wonder because it, it seems like you know, as e- even just as a journalist, forget yeah. about the the books and the your your sort of um, carrying the torch of telling the story of Red Dirt and this yeah. music that you grew up with. I, I just wonder about this. Um, this life seems like it's hard. It's somewhat itinerant. I mean, you've been yeah. lucky enough now, or talented yeah. enough, to be in one place for a while. But I wonder, as you've gone through all these years of hard yeah. work and climbing yeah. the ladder, do uh, do you remember moments where you really wrestled with the sort of the your inner demons, the voices in your head telling you that to to quit, or when you came up against those internally generated obstacles that we all come up against? Yeah. I'm wondering what. What have you been your strategies that you've figured out for getting over those hurdles? From a journalism standpoint, my career, I, every time I have taken a job, I'm going to list a bunch of cities here. Every time I took one of those, I thought that I was doing the right thing that would probably last me the rest of my life. Um, so here goes. After graduating Oklahoma State, I went, I worked at newspapers in the following cities, Oklahoma City, Phoenix, Omaha, Chicago with the Chicago Tribune, Minneapolis, um, the Buffalo News, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and the New York Times. That's a lot. That's a lot to pack into about 15 years. And um, Did you move for every one of those? Yes. Every single one of those was a move. It was all a Mayflower moving van would show up. There were even some houses that were bought. Mm. Um, and every one of those moves at the time, um, and this is where I think artists and creative types will relate uh, when I made them in real time, it felt like, okay, well, now I'm going to the Omaha World Herald where I will just work for the next 30 years and retire or whatever. Uh, every one of those every one of those moves in in retrospect, I was running. I was running. It's really easy to say journalistically because all those places that I've listed now, the jobs that I had there don't exist. So objectively, it makes sense. But I was running. Um, I was running from a, uh, a, a situation um, at, a, at a place of employment that I thought was dire, but that also was sort of masking a, uh, a larger, um, you know, personal space that wasn't all that great. And it really wasn't, it really was, I'll tell you exactly, I'll tie all this together. There is a chapter, I put a chapter in every book that I'm going to keep doing this forever that I write. It's called Why I Wrote This Book. And in the Red Dirt book, I opened up about this a lot. It said that I was running um, and that was because something is broken inside of my head and everybody else's internal dial that says, that just tells them this is home. The Hudson Valley is home. Um, Mine was just broken. Mine was just set to, had one setting and that setting was run. And it really wasn't until I sat down to write that chapter for the Red Dirt book and that phrase that I just said came out of my head and onto that paper that I even realized it myself. And once I did that and once I realized that I was dealing with, um, you know, much more demons than I had ever acknowledged, um, the music became being a fan of music um, also became the way that I grappled with that. Um, so my life these days is very structured, despite that I, I, uh, I keep a travel schedule that 
probably is only bested by the artists themselves. Like I am, I am at a hundred or more shows a year. I've probably outside of the band themselves been to more Turnpike and Isabel shows in the last two years than just about anybody. Um, but I said, it's so structured now. Like I know who I'm going to see there. I know what my experience is going to be. It is a great way to, to feel like that need to see a new place to, to see, to see the world, but not just to pick myself up and take off running. And it really wasn't until I started writing these books that I even realized that I even had that demon at all. Um, and I'm, it, I feel much healthier now. Um, and, um, I feel like, uh, I feel like just embracing the, uh, the, the sort of need to experience the type of music that you guys make, um, as often as I can, um, just actually saying that out loud and then just letting that sort of be part of who I am really, really, really helped in so many ways from dealing with dealing with personal anxiety to just feeling more feeling more uh creative in general when i go to tell a story i love that god it's such a it's such a beautiful endorsement of the examined life you know yeah well done right well i was so this is great i feel like there's so much wisdom already in this um talk we've had i wonder if you'd be willing to try and distill it a little bit imagine a 21 year old version of yourself in yeah. t- in today's world um what advice might you give yourself i would tell myself to um this is actually for, so we have a saying at the times in, in my department and i'm probably the one that says it the most um if something happens if news if news is breaking if um something needs to change with a plan for the paper or digital something comes up with something urgent my reaction is this very deadpan five minute rule no matter what happens we're going to wait five minutes before we do anything i would like the 21 year old version of myself to know a little bit of patience um now that has meant everything to me in writing these books in writing um in in covering um these artists for Rolling Stone um, and 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 for the Times and all the other places that I've done it for. Um, the biggest the biggest example was not not the Rolling Stone article that I wrote when that that, that you were quoted in when Turnpike um, announced they were coming back, but the one from this past May where I actually went down to Evans Ranch and just worked cattle with him for a day and turned that into a story. That I had the idea for that. Um, the day after that original story went up and made it clear that's what I wanted to do. And then I just sat around and waited until the time was right. And um, 21 year old me never would have understood that. I would have tried, I would have tried to force that at a time that wasn't right, been upset when I was either told no or got a bad interview and it would have shown in the story. Um, Knowing now that it's just okay to wait for the time to be right. I, that is, that is what I would take back to tell a uh, 21 year old me. I don't know, 21 year old me listen to 44 year old me, I don't <laughs> know. But I would say that if I just, 
poofed into being in front of my 21 year old self, I would like to think that the shock would be enough that he would listen to one thing I said. And that would yeah. be it. Hey, kid, be patient. Disappear again. God, that's great. I could have used <laughs> that. I could have used that info. Man, Josh, this is so good. And I'm really, I'm really grateful for the work you do. I feel like it's, it's important in a way that yeah. probably some people wouldn't realize, but yeah. you know, musicians, uh, what we do a lot of times I think seems frivolous to the world and for you yeah. to give it so much love and respect, I really feel like is, um, it is, uh, it's really valuable and I appreciate it for sure. Well, uh, thanks, Red. And I think the way that I try to write these books is modeled after what I see in these artists. Um, I do want I, I want to do it independently, but I also, I also watch your creative process very closely and I'm trying to apply it to my own writing. Like that's, if I'm going to write about this type of music, I think it needs to be in the spirit that that art is being created. Nice. Well, this yeah. is great. Thank you so much for being on wheels off. Thanks, Red. I appreciate that. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Osiris. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.